I love the book of 1 Timothy. And uh, one day it occurred to me, Timothy's a preacher. And I said, well, I'm a preacher. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'm a preacher. And Timothy was written by a preacher. So here's a preacher writing to another preacher. And I thought, well, there might be something good in there. So I started, and I had read it before, but I start, that month, I read it every day uh, for the month. And uh, it is a very powerful book, what you will see in the book of First Timothy. And you don't have to be a preacher to read it and to appreciate it. Uh, you'll be amazed at how many times he mentions God in this book and what he says about God. And uh, there's some verses that probably you have memorized for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, fear but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's out of Timothy, 2 Timothy. And uh, here in 1 Timothy, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, he said, I exhort. I looked up uh, what Webster in the green dictionary had to say about that. He, he said it carries the idea of to excite, to uh, encourage, sort of to stir somebody up. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all honesty and godliness. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of and teaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And before I ask you to pray with me, may I give you three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you today for Gospel Baptist Church and the Sunday school class and these dear, special people. May you bless this class. I pray you bless Pastor Bill. Anoint him. Keep your hand on him. Bless him in the morning preaching hour. And Lord, I pray you let us be a blessing in the Sunday school hour. And may all of us be blessed and challenged and stirred and helped. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that uh, Timothy talks about here from Paul is the idea of praying. And uh, that's something we all believe in, and probably not a person in this room, certainly not me. I would not set myself up as the poster boy for prayer. Uh, most people, even probably the greatest prayer warriors, would say, I'm not the best prayer warrior either. And uh, there's always more that you could do. But sometimes people argue over, well, What's the proper posture for praying? For example, can you pray sitting in your seat here? Yes, you can. And in the Bible, there were some people who prayed standing up. Prayed standing up with their arms outstretched up to heaven like Solomon did. You could pray with your eyes open. You could pray with your eyes closed. You could pray bowing on one knee, bowing on both knees. You could pray prostrate on the ground. You could pray lying in your bed. But I ran across something some time ago. The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keyes, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and wrapped and upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Slow. Such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. 
It seems to me his hands should be austerely clasped in front with both hands or thumbs pointing toward the ground, said Reverend Dr. Blunt. Last year, I fell in Hodgkin's well. Head first, said Cyrus Brown, with both my heels a-sticking up and my head a-punting down. And I made a prayer right then and there. Best prayer I ever prayed. The prayingest prayer I ever prayed. A-standing on my head. <laughs> I suspect if you were in a well upside down that you might want to pray that way as well. One of the things that Jesus said to his disciples a number of times was to ask. I was uh, thinking of something the other day, and I looked it up, and I was interested to see what it said. In Mark chapter 6, when John the Baptist had been arrested and was in prison, and uh, Herod, on his birthday, he made this great, called all his buddies in, he made this great feast for them, and Herodias came in and she danced before them and stirred him up. And he said, ask what I shall give you. Up to the kingdom, half of my kingdom, you ask me, I'll give you whatever you ask. So she went to her mother and she said, what should I ask? And she said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So that woman went back to Herod and said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a charger. Well, he was sorry. But he had made an oath. And he didn't want to back down in front of his friends. And so he sent an executioner. And they beheaded John the Baptist. I thought about that when they brought that head on a charger and gave it to that woman. And when she took it to her mother and gave it to her. I don't know whether that woman will see that picture in her memory. You know, Jesus said, Lazarus, he said, remember uh, to the rich man in hell that thou in thy lifetime you did such and such. Wouldn't it be awful to have that memory in your mind? Had John the Baptist. You know, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 7, now I'm going to take that story and move it up a whole bunch of notches. God himself came to Solomon and said, Ask, what shall I give thee? Now, if Herod could give the head of John the Baptist because somebody asked, what could God do for you and me if we but ask? And God said, because that's what you asked for? And you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for wealth, you didn't ask for the life of your enemies. I'm going to give you what you asked for. And I'm going to give you all that other stuff because you didn't ask for that. But he got because he asked. Now you know the verse. You have not because you... Why don't we ask? David Gibbs said, and who's been here at this church, he said... If God said, you have five miraculous things, I'll give you. What would you ask for? Well, he said, that's not in the Bible. Then if you ask for five miraculous things. But he said, what is in the Bible, it's unlimited. You can ask for the impossible. You know, when we ask for just little things, and what's little or big to God? But when you really ask something big, 
and that would honor the Lord. Well, here, Timothy is reading this letter, this epistle from the Apostle Paul, and he said, I exhort, therefore, first of all, and so when I, I was thinking about this, I thought, well, here's a priority. First of all. Now, there are a number of interesting firsts in the life of Jesus. Probably one that would be more familiar to all of us is, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek him first. And you remember the guy who took his offering and he went to the altar, and then he remembered that he and his buddy had some outs, and he said, Leave your gift at the altar, and first be reconciled to your friend. There's some things that are priority first. And here is Paul saying to Timothy, first of all, and then he mentions four kinds of praying. He mentions supplications. Now notice these are all in the plural. It's not supplication, it's supplications. It's not prayer, it's prayers. It's not intercession, it's intercessions. And it's a giving of thanks for all men. You may remember something that went around years ago that when you pray, if you can remember the word act, A-C-T. But when you pray, you go to the Lord and at first you, you adore him to say good things about him. And that's God inhabits the praises of his people. And then C stands for confession. You make confession. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then T is to be thankful, which is in this text of Scripture. And then the S stands for supplication. And that's a good little reminder when you pray to just adore God, confess, be thankful and supplicate. But here, he talks about four things. He talks about supplications. Now, what is a supplication or a supplications? Supplications is obviously some kind of a prayer. But it's more laser focused. It is more directed. It is something specific. Can you think of anybody in the Bible that prayed for something special and they got the answer? Just shout it out if you can think of something. What was that? Hannah. Hannah prayed specifically. For, yes, and she, she got a boy. Somebody else, can you think of someone? Which one? I heard Nehemiah. That Nehemiah heard? Anybody else got one? Man had leprosy. Hezekiah, specifically. Uh, you know, speaking of Hezekiah, Hezekiah and Isaiah supplicated the Lord about the enemy that came, and in a matter of hours, 185,000 Assyrians, they did. I've had to chuckle when I read that story, and when they woke up the next morning, they were all dead. The English language is so interesting, isn't it? They were all dead. When uh, Eliezer, when Abraham came to him, and he said, I, I need to find a bride for my son, Isaac. 
and I want you to go back to my land. And so he uh, made him, put him under oath, and he said, well, what if I can't find anybody? He said, well, you'll, you'll be discharged from that. But he goes over there, and he's standing in this area, and he makes a supplication at the Lord. He said, Lord, my master's son needs a, a bride. And I'm here, and uh, would you send somebody by that when I ask her for a drink of water, she will give me a drink of water, and then she will offer to water my camels. Well, there were at least 10 camels. Camels are big drinkers. And this lady came, and she was very pretty. He said, would you give me a drink of water? And so she ran and got him a drink of water. And she said, I'm going to water your camels, too. Now, that was a special. And he, the Bible says he bowed his head and worshipped. So there are a number of times in the Bible where somebody prayed specifically and God answered their prayer. You know, all of us knowing what we know, why don't we supplicate the Lord more? Why don't we just go to the Lord and ask him about whatever it is that we need? Sometimes we just don't ask. I ran across a poem. I read it to Miss Judy on the way down here today. And uh, I got up early one morning and rushed right out into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Troubles just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He replied, you didn't ask. Just to ask. Ask. Now, the idea is, you know, Jesus said, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And uh, it's my understanding that that is uh, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And uh, God said, if you ask, you'll receive. You seek, you'll find. You'll knock, it'll be opened unto you. Suppose, you remember years ago there was a, a TV. Now, this is, this is carnal stuff right now. Will you forgive me for this for just a minute? Uh, you remember a program called The Millionaire? The Millionaire came to somebody that he had done research on, and he put a million dollars in that man's account. The only stipulation really was you cannot tell anybody where this came from. So then the rest of that story is about that guy who got a million dollars. And you can imagine if you were known to have practically nothing. I like what the guy said. You know, when I got married, I had nothing, and I still have most of it. <laughs> you just couldn't tell people where it came from. So suppose in your bank you get a note from someone who says, I have deposited a million dollars in your bank account. You can use it however you like. You can take out as little as you want or as much as you want. What do you think about that? You're probably thinking, can I give that guy my number? But suppose after a while the wife says, you know, things are getting a little skimpy. And we're getting some past due notices on that credit card. And we haven't paid off the car. And uh, 
we're not eating all that good right now. And it sure would be nice if we'd be out from under this mortgage. And she said, well, honey, why don't you go down to the bank and take out some of that money? And you say, well, I'm just not sure I believe that's true. Or you say, that's a good idea, but I don't have time to do that right now. And then you die never having taken anything out of that account. If your friends knew about that, what would they think about you? What a dummy that guy was, huh? Now, Jesus did not deposit a million dollars in our account. But he owns the bank of heaven. And uh, I really, I think this is to a mission-minded church. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is not poor. We make ourselves poor because we don't, we don't go after him. Seek him. So he said, uh, sup- first of all, supplications. Secondly, he said, prayers. Now, prayers, we say, oh, yeah, I remember a prayer Jesus prayed. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's a great prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. His prayer would be John 17. But it's a prayer that he said, pray after this manner. So he gave us a little guide. I learned to pray that prayer, as did uh, Brother Bud, Brother Tom, and Brother Bill. We learned that at Bob Jones University in chapel. We always started out with the Lord's Prayer. And I pray that prayer every day, even for years now. And uh, there's some other good prayers in the Bible. The other day I was reading that uh, Herod stretched forth his hands to vex the church. And he killed James. He apprehended Peter. And he put him in prison. And that text says he intended after Easter to put him to death. But in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, but prayer was made unto God by the church for him. Over here is Peter. He's in jail. He is in bonds. He's in chains. He has been guarded by these soldiers. So you think of it, over here is a guy, has the government behind him, has the the prison authorities behind him, he has chains behind him, he has soldiers behind him, Over here, I mean, he looks like he is bound pretty good. But over here, you have a church. The Bible says there were many gathered together praying. And they prayed unto God for him. Who would you put your money on? Paul, in this condition over here, are these people over here praying? Now, you and I, we, we, we know the end of that story. So we said, we'll put it here. And the question is, why don't I pray more? We would all think that too. Why don't I pray more? 
I'm not trying to put anybody under a guilt complex. If anybody ought to put on, be put under one, it ought to be me. But I'm just saying that Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, I exhort, first of all, that supplications and prayers are to be made for all men to pray. And then thirdly, he said, intercessions. So I looked up the word intercessions and intercessor. Intercessions is somebody who, who entreats God on behalf of somebody else. And I noticed in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Ghost makes intercession for us, intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So when you're praying on behalf of somebody else, the Holy Ghost prays too. And he takes our prayers to a whole nother level. And he makes intercession. There's an interesting passage in Isaiah when things were going pretty bad. And God wondered that there was no intercessor. Wasn't he back praying for? May I encourage you, as you probably do, to pray for your pastor and proceed on his behalf. I'm sure Brother Tom, Brother Bud, and myself appreciated anybody who prayed for us. I tell people, Charles Spurgeon said, Friend, if you dare get the ear of God this week, mention my name. I tell people, if I can get widows and children to pray for me, put my name on that list. Somebody would, when you think, you realize how the devil hates people like Bud Covey and Mary and Tom Crichton and Jenny and Bill Lytell and Kathy and Don Strange and Judy. If he could get them and go after them and make them miserable, think what he does. You ought to pray for your pastor and these other men in your church as well, that God would bless their, their ministry. God would bless their mate. God would bless their morals. You know, we live in an immoral day. And it's getting worse. Pray for their mind. You know, it's hard to keep your mind straight this day, these days. Just a, a intercession for them. And ask God to help them. And then he said, the giving of thanks. It might have been in Fiddler on the Roof. If not, it was another story where a Jewish man asks his rabbi, can we pray a blessing on the czar? He said, oh, yes. Pray that the Lord would bless him a thousand miles away from here. <laughs> you could be thankful for that. Uh, the giving of thanks. In everything, give thanks. That's pretty tough. I had a lady in my church in Lexington, and she broke her leg. And she said to me one day, she said, Pastor, 
I came to the place where I could thank God for the broken leg. One, she could thank God she wasn't a horse. She'd have probably been shot. <laughs> but to be thankful. You know, uh, in everything, give thanks. See, our problem is we don't know what's good or what's bad. Let me illustrate it. This is not a, this is not a joking. Raise your hand on the, when I ask you to. How many of you have ever had something that happened to you that you said when it happened, that's bad. But about six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks or months later, you change your mind and say, that wasn't bad after all. That was pretty good. How many of you ever had something when it happened to you, you said, uh, that's good. This is good. But after about X number of weeks or months or whatever, you change your mind, you said, that was bad. So by our own admission, we don't even know what's right or wrong or good or bad. If we would have been not knowing what we know now, if we'd have been standing around Mount Calvary or Golgotha and saw what they did to Jesus and knowing anything about him at all, you would have said, this is an awful, awful day. But then after they killed him and three days later when he was raised from the dead and he ascended back to the Father and he sent the Holy Ghost and he's blessing his church and he's saving people. We changed our mind about that. We said, that wasn't so bad after all. I'm going to go to heaven because of that. So, uh, you know, he's able to turn. For we know that all things work together for good. Now, he did not say all things are good. Let's face it, folks. There are things that happen to us. And we say, that's not good. Truth is, that's bad. But he didn't say everything's good. He said he works together all things for good. He can take whatever it is. He's God. And he can make it for good. So when he's talking here about these four kinds of prayers, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks, what's his purpose? So I noticed a priority. I noticed the prayers. And then uh, I noticed the, the purpose. He said to pray for and the people, pray for all men and for kings and for all that are in authority. And here's the purpose. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all honesty and godliness. Four things. Quiet. Peaceable life, godliness, and honesty. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our homes were known for quietness and peace and godliness and honesty? Wouldn't it be wonderful if Gospel Baptist Church was known for quietness? Peace, godliness, and honesty. Would you like to live in a neighborhood that was known to be quiet? Judy and I both heard this the other night. Some guy comes through our neighborhood, wasn't on our street, it was on another street, and he has that radio blaring, boom, 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 and uh, wasn't quiet. But living in a neighborhood that was quiet and peaceable 
and godly and honest? Do you think those four things are true in America today? Is America quiet today? Pretty noisy, isn't it? There's some restaurants you don't even go into because they're too noisy in there. Judy and I have chatted about places before. We like the food, but we don't like the atmosphere. And it's peaceful. Are we at peace in America? Our major cities are torn with strife and violence and murders. And people are leaving those cities. And godliness... Honesty. There was a time when if you made a deal, you just shook hands. That's it. Today, you have a lawyer and hope he's honest. Or you have more than a lawyer. I read the story years ago about the man who founded Ebony Magazine. He was a black man. And the government went after him because... He was violating some antitrust laws or something. So they called him in the, before the, the government, the law officials. And they had all these lawyers. He didn't even have a lawyer. They were going after him. He said, you know, man, I'm just a simple man. I'm just trying to do a business and make a living. I don't know about all these things that you're talking about. I mean, they were talking about finding him, throwing him in jail. I don't know about all those things. Just trying to make a living. Well, he so disarmed all of those lawyers that they said, well, you know, if, if you just do this, if you just do this, if you just do that, and all of a sudden those guys were on his side. And he didn't have a lawyer at all. When Lee Iacocca, if you ever read his book, Iacocca, when he was trying to salvage Chrysler, He went to borrow some money from the government. Same day that he was there to borrow money from the government. Somebody from Mexico was there to borrow, like, if I recall, it was like $500 million. This was back a few years ago. And uh, they didn't have anybody hardly represented. That guy, they just signed the name, gave him the $500 million. But to talk to Iacocca, there was a, a troop. And he was an American citizen, had an American company, and trying to keep jobs open for Americans. And they ran him through the mill. There's something, well, that was then. It's even worse today. Today, most of us would think, I wish our government didn't lie to us. They lie to us so often, you don't know what to believe. You don't know what's true, what's not true. Would you agree with that? And he said, look, if, if you do these things, Certainly God would help us out, wouldn't he? One more, one more thing about the story. I, I noticed the potentate. He said, uh, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know how many people God wants to be saved? I don't know a number, but I know it's all of them. According to 2 Peter, do you know how many people God wants to perish? None of them. And uh, here is the potentate who is 
Someone who absolute power and sway. He's king of kings and lord of lords. So we can pray for people to be saved. Aren't you glad you got saved? I got saved while I was serving in the United States Navy. And the Lord changed my life. I'm not all that I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And uh, you could say with a little song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And he's still working on us. I'm going to close with a story. Years ago, there was a, a little college that had uh, a professor who was a chemistry professor. His name was Dr. Lee. And uh, every year, the chemistry professor, inter he interrupted his lectures on chemistry to attack miracles in prayer. He might have said he believed in God, but he certainly didn't believe in prayer and miracles. And so at Thanksgiving, he gave three lectures. He did it every, every year at Thanksgiving. He gave three lectures debunking the idea of prayer. And when he got through, he'd say, how many of you young people still believe in prayer? And uh, before they raise, I said, now before you raise your hand, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this flask. You know, the flask was a little long neck piece of glass that came out like this at the bottom. He said, I'm going to hold this flask out, and I'm going to let you stand and pray when I drop this flask that it won't break. Anybody want to do it? Well, all these kids just sit there like this. He said, now, I just want you to know, if you want, you can call your mama. You can call your pastor. You can call your grandma and ask them to pray. But I just want you to know, when I drop the flask, it's going to break. Anybody want to pray? Well, every year he just had those kids sitting there just numb. Nobody raised their hand. One year, a young man, he said to his friend, he said, God has laid it on my heart to take Dr. Lee's challenge this year. Would you pray with me? And his friend said, yes. And they had to sign up for the chemistry class. Came around November, Thanksgiving time, and he went into his three lectures. And he said, now, Anybody want to pray that when I drop the flask, it won't break? And this young man, he raised his hand. And Dr. Lee said, oh, I see we have a taker today, young people. He said, now, son, I want to give you an opportunity. I just want you to know when I drop this flask, it's going to break. Do you still want to pray? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, folks, let's all be real quiet and reverent and give our young friend here an opportunity to pray. And he stood up and he said something like this. Dear God, I thank you that you hear me and that you honor your son, Jesus Christ, and please honor me, your servant. Don't let the flask break. Amen. That was it. And the professor stood there. There were no open windows. There were no fans blowing. He just opened his hand, and that flask Instead of falling straight down in smithereens, that flask dropped in an arc. It came in toward his knee, hit him about right there, rolled down his leg, over his shoe, onto the pavement, and did not break. The class cheered, whistled, clapped, probably did high fives. They were so excited. But the professor suspended forever those lectures against prayer 
in his chemistry class. Don't you wish you could have been that young man? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you today for your grace and goodness, for your mercy. Lord, forgive me for not praying more. You're a great God and a wonderful Savior. Bless in the hour to come. Anoint Brother Bill. Anoint the singing and the preaching. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.